This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to Victor Drive, everyone. This episode, we have on a good guy, real good guy, named John Stallone. Uh, Aside from having a badass fucking name, like Stallone, uh, he's also an outdoor writer, wildlife conservation advocate, hunting guide, and also the host of a podcast called Days in the Wild. Uh, he's an awesome guy that I really, really enjoyed talking to. Talking to. Uh, he does a lot of stuff with Howl for Wildlife, and if you guys haven't heard of Howl for Wildlife, he's really really getting out there and pushing that conservation message with Howl for Wildlife. They're really, really cool conservation organization, really interesting group of people. Uh, they're really out there on the front lines. They make it super easy to get involved, get your voice heard on these important issues. Like uh, the most famous one is probably the Colorado Wolf Ballot Box Initiative that they were vehemently fighting against. So uh, they do a lot of stuff other than just that, but they are really on the front lines in, um, I guess, for lack of better terms, lobbying for the hunting community and trying to be that voice of reason against certain, especially ballot box initiatives that are really headed by non-hunters and anti-hunters mostly. So really important organization, really cool organization, and uh, something that we really can't overlook. I know it's pretty easy to get comfortable in the outdoor lifestyle that we all like to live, but just know that if we don't fight for it, then it's not out of the realm of possibility that it will go away. Uh, we see that time and time again, the gun industry or the gun side of things, the two way issues, uh, they're constantly on the attack trying to take, take, take. And it's not, it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that it could also be hunting privileges and stuff of that nature. The anti hunting groups are very strong, very powerful, and they're all very, uh, rank and file. 
if you know, so they they fight together, and they are. It's a tough. It's tough because they're always on the offensive. So we need to stay ahead of the game, stay ahead of these anti-hunting organizations, and fight against them constantly. And John Sloan is doing just that. And so is Howell for Wildlife. So uh, if you guys haven't checked them out, check them out. Go ahead and pause this episode if you want. Check out Howell for Wildlife. Then come back to this episode, restart it, and listen to what John and I have to say. Um, if anyone knows me, I do have my own personal <sighs> apprehensions about certain conservation groups. And I'll talk more about that stuff later at a later date. But uh, it's just, you know... I. From what I can see, Howl for Wildlife, they're doing good things and they're truly out there for us, like fighting for our rights and our heritage to go out, go outdoors and hunt and fish and do all those things. So uh, I believe it's a very important organization to kind of look look at and maybe get behind if you can throw them a few bucks or even if you can't throw them a few bucks, just uh, sign up for their newsletter. They will keep you up to date on all the important uh, political issues and laws and all that good shit going into place. And they make it super duper easy. Once you sign up, they send you emails and you just click on what you want to support and what you want to fight against. Something tickles your fancy. You go on there and they have emails on there that you fill out and they automatically distribute though that email that you type up. Um, after all the prompts and all that good stuff, they send them out to the appropriate representatives to let your voice be heard. So it's a pretty awesome thing. Um, so yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. John Stone's a great guy. I had a blast talking with him. Uh, and now on to the partners of Victory Drive podcast. As always, Victory Drive is brought to you by Grizzly Coolers. Uh, like I said, number one hard side coolers in the game. I feel like by far my opinion, not fact, but I think everyone would agree with me. So it's basically fact. Um, they are seriously killing it with hard side coolers and everyone knows them for that. Drinkware, severely underrated drinkware. They have really, really good drinkware and their soft side coolers are absolutely fucking spectacular. They have sweet rollaways, um, carry like backpack carrying soft side coolers, all sorts of good stuff. So go check out Grizzly Coolers. And when you find something that tickles your fancy there, use code WCB for 15% off. That is WCB for 15% off. All right. And on to the next one is Black Ovis. Black Ovis, they newly signed on with Victory Drive, and I think it's a partnership that just makes sense. Uh, a bunch of good guys over there at Black Ovis. Um, and like I've said, I, I, they really do have the best pricing for any of the outdoor equipment that they do carry. And actually, matter of fact, they have a huge sale going on right now. So if you get on your little phone, type in blackovis.com and check out their gear. There's a lot of stuff on sale. I just hit the little, uh, three lines up in the top right corner. If you're looking at your phone, you know, everyone knows what that means and it pulls up thing. Go to on sale, click on whatever you want to see that's on sale. Um, to, I was just scrolling through a little bit. And looking at the optic stuff that they have, they got just on the optic side, they got, you know, Stone Glacier Spotting Scope Pocket. Uh, they've got Stone Glacier Skyline Rangefinder Pocket. Uh, they've got some uh, Rifle Scope Bubble Level. They've got all sorts of cool shit. Um, Swarovski ATX, STX, BTX, Stay On Case for the Objective Only. They've got just all sorts of good shit. They've got a loophole. Freedom one by thirty four millimeter red dot sight for two hundred and fifteen dollars, which is usually two seventy nine. 
but most importantly, this is the one that really caught my eye. They have a Leupold RX 2800 TBR with 7 by 7 power laser rangefinder. It's normally 649. They've got it on sale for $462. So if you're into stuff like that, you know, really awesome, excellent gear uh, for the best prices you're going to find and also continually doing awesome sales on all sorts of different shit, check out Black Ovis. And if you want to save even more money, you can use code VICTORY at checkout. That is code VICTORY, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, VICTORY, at checkout of Black Ovis. And... Also, we've got Mountain Ops. If you guys want to stop getting fat, go get yourself some awesome supplements from Mountain Ops. Great people behind that company as well. Um, I currently just bought some new Yeti mode, the higher-end pre-workout. And I went into the gym today, did squats, back squats, and I PR'd. No big deal. I can't say it was exactly Mountain Ops that did it, but it certainly fucking helped. Waking up at 4, 4.30 in the morning to get up and uh, get to the gym by five. Uh, a little boost to Roo doesn't hurt to Roo, that's for sure. And uh, I also use their creatine. So uh, that's just what I personally use. And obviously Ignite and Hydrate, those are two mainstays I use pretty much every day just to get through the work day and stay hydrated and stay on top of my game. And when you find some shit that you like on Mountain Ops, use code VICTORY there as well. That's code VICTORY, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, VICTORY. Just like it sounds, honestly, Vic Tory, you know, like the name. So, yep, save some money there, guys. Uh, also, I want to touch on Wyoming Bear Camp that we we have coming up. Uh, it's full, so sorry, but we always got next year. So, if you guys are interested in Wyoming Spring Bear Camp, let me know for next year. Uh, we'll start getting you locked in um, once deposits and all that good shit are in. Um, Africa, we don't have every slot filled for Africa. So if you guys want to get going to Africa, that's August 26th through September 3rd. Fucking great camp there. Awesome camp vibes. Great hunting. Best hunting you could ever really ask for with some amazing animals that you never will see here in America. Unless maybe you go to a high fence ranch in Texas or something. They've got a few of them there, but awesome camp vibe and i know the trip's long i know it's hard i know it's kind of spendy but seriously guys it's a trip of a lifetime and i know if you go you're gonna want to go again eventually so get there while you can it's august 26th through september 3rd still taking hunters for that um just hit me up on instagram or facebook or whatever and ask me about you know pricing and all that good shit i can get you hooked up with Stuart pringle and we can go from there it's going to be a great time. So hope to see some of you guys in Africa. And that's about it. Wrap that bad boy up. I'm getting ready to go to Mexico for family vacation. So we'll keep this a little nice and short and sweet for you guys. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll we'll see you next week.
All right, John Stallone. How are you doing, man? Can't complain. Well, nobody listens to me when I complain anyway, so. Actually, I complain a lot. (laughs) That's my favorite thing to do. (laughs) Those people who know me the best know, like, if I'm not complaining, something's actually wrong. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You just shut down when something's actually wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So uh, you want to give us just a quick backstory on yourself and what you do and kind of all that good stuff? Sure. Um, Awesome. Man, there's kind of a lot to unpack there, but... Uh, I'm a lifelong hunter, been hunting since I'm five, I'm 47 now, almost 48. Um, I am the vice president for Alpha Wildlife for the purpose of this podcast. We'll probably be talking about that mostly, but um, Mm -hmm. I've worn a lot of hats in the industry. I've had a TV show. I'm a podcast host myself. I've been podcasting, as far as I know, longer than anybody else uh, in the hunting space since 2004. Um, Oh, geez. Yeah. One of the original, one of the OGs. So that's a long ass time. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Um, I've been a writer. I've, I've authored a few books, the secrets of hunting Western game, the whitetail hunters blueprint. Um, I've written for magazines, been, been all over it, you know, radio yep. you you mentioned it uh, i've probably done it um i i'm an avid bow hunter uh I, I do enjoy rifle hunting um and i don't really have a specific species that i that i absolutely love like but or one more than the other anyway i should say i, I love hunting everything i'm kind of a generalist and I love hunting mm-hmm. everywhere. I'm kind of like an adventure hunter. Like my, like my, that what drives me is the adventure of it. Um, you know, I like to, to see what's over, you know, over there versus over here, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, you're definitely more of like a, let's go somewhere different kind of guy. Are like, I say that and stuff like that. You just like to get around. Yeah, I say that. I mean, I have my spots that I continually frequent, but I always like to have at least one or two hunts a year that are new. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, I'll go back to my my old stomps, and and you know, I like I go to South Dakota every year. I go to New York every other year. Um, Of course, I hunt here in my home state of Arizona. Um, and uh, you know, but. I typically will bounce around and I'll, I'll go a couple of years in one state and then I'll go a couple of years in another state and just kind of learn new things and see new things. And even though the species yeah. might be the same, there's always a little difference, you know, going from state to state, region to region. So. Yeah, for sure. That's one thing that I'm really big on myself too, is just getting out and getting around and just seeing new things. That's why uh, I, went to Africa for the first time. Uh, well, it'd be two years ago now. Nice. Um, going to go, going to go back this year. And it's just one of those things like I just really want to go out and see all sorts of different stuff and have all sorts of different experiences as well. Like I love, but it is really nice. Um, kind of coming back and I guess I, I look at it almost like a, a sports thing, right. Where you go to like a place like Africa or you go to, I I live in Iowa, so going to like Wyoming or mm-hmm. Idaho or Colorado, it's like those are like all away games, and those are awesome and they're fun and yes. they're 
all so much fun in their own right for sure but it is really nice coming back and conducting your home games you know and like going to places that you're familiar with especially when it comes to whitetails and stuff in the midwest but, yeah i've yet to hunt yeah, iowa i want to i've been i've been meaning to um i just haven't uh i haven't put it together yet there that's there's a few Midwest states that I haven't haunted yet that I really, uh, Kansas, Iowa, mm-hmm. and I haven't been to Nebraska. I think I've done everything else. Yeah. Those are two bucket list states I want to hunt too is Nebraska and um, Kansas really bad. Yeah. But have you, are you putting in, do you have points for Iowa? I do. I do. do you? I, okay. I have several points. Yeah, I think. Several um, points? Six or seven, yeah. I got a lot. Oh yeah, you're. Yeah, you can draw damn near any county you want or any yeah. zone you want. That I know, but I'm afraid not to put in. It's like I haven't, I haven't applied for an actual tag. I just keep applying for the yeah. bonus point. So yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I got to do it. Um, do you do you not do well with rejection, John? No, I, I'm fine with rejection. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm fine with rejection. I, That's uh, I just I'm not uh, good with rejection. <laughs> I just keep uh, the problem that I've been having lately in the last like five years or so um with going to uh the midwest states is that usually the typical typically the best time to go is sometime in early november Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's the case in iowa but typically that's how it's been like i used to go to illinois and missouri all the time and um but and I haven't been because I guide in South Dakota for 15 days. Mm. And it's really tough for me to get back from a 15-day stint and say, honey, yeah. I'm going here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, November um, November is pretty much shot for me now because I keep mm-hmm. – and I don't want to not go to South Dakota because, one, it's – awesome hunting for me um i potentially may stop guiding there so that i could or at least for a year Mm -hmm. um so go for myself but then i can go for six days uh and then i could go six days somewhere else you know break it up oh yeah spending all that time in one in one state so that's uh that's what i need to do which i don't think is going to happen uh it's definitely not going to happen this year because we're going to be giving away one of my mule deer hunts in South Dakota. Um, Oh, cool. For for the people who are joining Howlful Wildlife. So we might as well tell you, um, I think by the time, I don't know when you plan to release this podcast, but we should have up, there's going to be a special membership that when you join, it's going to kind of like act as your entry for that hunt it'll be pretty uh, i'm i don't know what the odds will be but it'll probably be one of the best odds to get a fully outfitted uh mule deer hunt um so we're gonna we're gonna have that it's gonna be one of the focal points we're gonna be at the hunt expo in salt lake city which is mule deer foundation puts on it's a big show um Mm -hmm. and that we're gonna kind of like release it there but it will actually have it up on the website too here coming up shortly i think in the next week or so awesome uh yeah do you want to go over that real quick and just put the do you have the dates out like uh the end date out for the hunt itself 
uh, for the um, competition or the giveaway. Yeah, so I don't know when we're actually going to let people know who won, but um, we should. I think we should have that up the first week of February, and it'll go for a couple months, uh, and then we'll close the and make the drawing. I don't know when we're going to let people know who's won or who hasn't won, but, uh, okay. It's a, it's about a, it's a 13. The value is $13,800 hunt. The entry is, I believe going to be a hundred bucks. Um, Mm -hmm. and the proceeds are going, you know, to, uh, health and wildlife's efforts. And we'll, we'll get into that, what we're doing and, and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's meals, lodging, uh, the tag and the taxidermy is not included, but uh, meals, right. lodging, then, gu- guiding, and we're actually going to be filming the hunt. So you will have oh, a, okay. you'll have a, um, you know, if you want to see some of the quality of some of the films that I've done in the past, you know, just look up John Stallone on YouTube or whatever, and you can take a look at some of that stuff. But um, yeah. you'll have, you well, know, a full, a full video. And myself and Charles Whitwam, who is um, one of my best friends and the president of Halifa Wildlife, will be uh, the guides on that. We're, we're usually the guides in South Dakota too. So, but oh, that's badass! Yeah, just uh, let me know kind of when I can make sure I you know get that get this episode released. In, sure. In that time frame for sure. Because that sounds like a really good deal. Because I I did uh, this thing a while back is Hunt Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Is, Kind of, kind of same concept, you know, where you put in a hundred bucks, gets your name in the hat, and then, uh, you know, they draw names out of a bucket and whatever else, and you go on this. It's a YouTube hunting show comp- a competition with average people. So I did that. Uh, I got drawn for that in season two and did a pronghorn hunt, nice. and that was badass. But it's, not, you know, it's kind of like a hundred bucks. You know, some people look at that and like, oh man, hundred bucks is hundred bucks. Like that's kind of crazy. But uh, I was talking to my wife about it. She, we, we both kind of decided. You know, we spent a hundred dollars on way dumber shit before, so we might as well put it in for something Man, like that. If you only it's knew the same concept with you, you know, with this, if you only get, knew how much money, way. how much money I put out a year in, uh, in just you know tag applications and <laughs> whatever. If oh, my yeah. wife knew, forget about it. I'd be in trouble. I'd have to buy oh, more, fuck. more of the yeah, Louis Vuitton I... bags. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I spend like uh, I don't know. It's probably. Close to two hundred bucks just in Wyoming preference points, so it's like, yeah, you know, I mean that 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 all adds up. Then you have a, a tag uh, cost on top of that if you, yeah. you know, whenever you do draw on and all that stuff. But um, putting a hundred bucks for yeah. something like this, and plus I'm assuming it's it's going to help fund like fundraise for Howl for Wildlife. So it's like, exactly. not only can you put in for that, and if you lose, and you know it's still going to a good cause kind of thing. So uh, you can still feel good even if you don't get drawn. So exactly. Well, and, and here's yeah. the thing, you're going to get the membership too. So yeah, like I exactly. were, I were, our base normal membership is $30, but you're going to, you know, for a hundred bucks, you're going to have this membership. You're going to have your $30 membership. Um, and there's going to be a couple other prize giveaways, but that I'm not a hundred percent sure about, um, throughout the year of the people that joined with that membership. So there still might be an opportunity that you can win something. Uh, there'll be product, mm-hmm. product orient, oriented, but I don't know. Uh, that all depends on our partners this year. So, 
but yeah for sure i mean especially in the outdoor space and hunting space it seems like companies are really willing to work with you you know when it's, especially when it comes to stuff like that and, and um, fundraising for a good cause and all that good stuff so i feel like you know you should companies are in the out hunting space are usually pretty generous when it comes to that kind of stuff i think yeah um you know the whole fundraising thing's a it's a bear you know to have to constantly do that we're we're actually trying to come up with mechanisms um so that we don't have to do that because part of what our problem is and we might as well jump into it now but the yep. part of what what's going on is the other side the anti-hunting establishment mm-hmm. is super well-funded super yep. organized they're in lockstep on everything um and they almost like HUSIS, that's Humane Society of the United States, is acts as like a main hub for all these other little tendricles that come off of it, like Wildlife Forever and, uh, you know, the Coyote Project and this and that. You know, there's so many different uh, entities that kind of feed off of HUSIS and their mm-hmm. mission, but they get in lockstep together on every single issue. We see the same bad actors at every game and fish committee meeting or commission meeting, excuse me. Um, any, every committee meeting, uh, anything that's bill oriented or, you know, um, if there's a like open comment period, it's always the same people from the other side getting involved yeah and, dude you see that you see that all over the place and um me with victory drive and stuff especially like i, I always grew up i grew up as a, a gun guy more than anything and um loving guns and just that has always been like my my thing you know and i past few years i've gotten into archery I, obviously i love bohan as well mm-hmm. but my passion has always been in like the gun sphere of things and that's a constant thing with the antis on the gun side too it's the same type of person. It seems like the antis are, it seems like they're always so, uh, yeah, like you said, in lockstep with each other and they have their messaging down pat and all this other stuff. I almost feel like, and uh, don't mind my gross generalizations here, but um, it's like generalizing the antis are generally of the political left and the hunting community is generally of the political right. Right. And it seems like, in you that know, sphere as well. It's just like the, think the, that it is it, that way, but lot. I I don't well I don't that's think what I'm so. generalizing. Yeah, well, there's that's actually what I said. quite don't, a don't few. Don't mind my gross generalizations, but there's quite a few. Um, I think in both in both spaces, but I, I'll speak for the hunting community because I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of Democrat hunters. Oh, for sure, and, a lot. You know, uh, you, you see that, with, like, but it's Ryan not Buss, like, yeah, it's not what you think. Um, see, the, the problem is, well, I mean, what I'll get into vastly into politics here with this country is that you know we only have these two uh, political distinctions. You know, you're either yes. Republican or you're or you're Democrat, and mm-hmm. the problem is is most of us are somewhere in between, right? And mm-hmm. you might fall on the left side of the line for, you know, 
some mainstream things like whatever, I don't know, pro-choice, pro, you know, so one of those things like that. So yeah. you vote Democratic uh, or you, you feel like, uh, you know, like you, you want to help uh, human rights stuff. So you, you vote Democratic or whatever the case may be. And then the same goes for the Republican side, like, oh, you know, you're a you're a two A guy or you're you know, whatever whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is the majority of us, if we had to categorize ourselves, we probably wouldn't be on really either. Like I, I have a lot of conservative like most of my most of my uh political views, I guess. Are, are aligned with the conservative side, but mm-hmm. I'm not on the far right. You know, I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm, I'm not on the far right by any means. You know, that would I vote for Trump? Yeah, I would vote for Trump because he's the lesser of two evils, but I don't think that right now, anybody that's running for president <laughs> on either side of the fence really is, very, is very great. But, um, <laughs> and, and, and I don't think it's, it's not that I don't think Donald Trump's a great president. Like, he did good things, but he's so mm-hmm. um, he's so polarizing, and he mm-hmm. pisses so many people off that people will cut off their nose to spite their face. Yep, just so he, you know, just so he won't be in office, and it's not good right. for, it's not good for the country. Like he's got zero bedside manner, um, and when you're a politician, you kind of got to be able to do those things, right? Like, you can't, right? It can't be just bull in a china shop all the time. There's a time for that. But there's also a time to be, you know, um, politically correct, I guess, I, you know, because you're a politician. You have to you have yeah. to have wear kick gloves with certain things. And, um, you know, I just that's yeah, that's my view on it. <laughs> Take no, it no, with a I, grain I, of salt. I, but, yeah, um, I totally agree. And that's that's kind of what I was getting at when I, I was kind of trying to get to that point with uh, the generalizations and stuff mm. is if you had to take a poll, I feel like, mo- like if you had to take a poll over half, I'd say most of the hunters would f- fall in the political right. If you had to sure, take absolutely. a vote. But what I was getting at is the the majority of people, the, it's the silent majority. And those are the, those are the people that are in the middle. Right. They're not loud. They're not boisterous. They just want to do their thing and be left alone for the most part. And whether that you, lean left or lean right. It's those people that are in the middle that always get overlooked when it comes to um, advocate, um, advocacy of any type and all that stuff. It just seems like there's more advocacy on it. When you're talking in hunting realm, there's more advocacy um, rank and file members on the anti side because it's kind of hard to get hunters and stuff to really get um, amped up and, you know, go to these meetings and all this other stuff and really, be loud because yeah because it's like you want a lot of guys especially they kind of pride themselves on being like you know like the silent especially in the hunting world it's like the silent killers and stuff like that you know you want to be you're not you're not trying to you're sharing your stories and all there's all that other good stuff you're we're generally pretty good at that but when it comes to actual advocacy and um boots on ground advocacy it's really hard to get a lot of people to fall in line that's one thing i do because i've been following Howl for wildlife for quite a while. And that's one thing I love about uh, your guys' group is that you make it easy. Like, you make it pretty damn easy to let your voice be heard when it matters. Yeah, that was that was the goal. We wanted to create the easy button 
for people. We wanted to remove as many obstacles as possible because I know even in my life, it's like, okay, I have X amount of time and I got to be choosy as to where I use that time. Mm -hmm. But if you tell me I can go and do this much good and it take me less than a minute to do it, more than likely I'm going to do it. But if you tell me, Hey, go contact your legislator. (laughs) Um, a, who the hell is that? (laughs) You know, Uh B, does that person have anything to do with this particular piece of policy that we're looking at? Uh, and see how do I get that information to him? And what do I say? You know? Yep. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. I get off, I get off work, you know, and I, I go home and I, you know, kiss my family and hang out with my kids and do all this other stuff and yada, yada, yada. And the next thing you know, um, it's, it's bedtime for me and I got to wake up early and, you know, go to the gym or just go to work or do whatever I need to do. The last fucking thing I want to do in my free time is, oh shit, that's right. I need to contact my uh, representative and let them know like that this uh, wildlife policy um, sucks and I don't agree with it or it, it's awesome. And I do agree with it. You know, either right. one. Right. The last thing I want to do with my free time is talk to a fucking politician, honestly. Yeah. So, no, I mean, nobody really does. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I'm in this space and I, I really would like not to have to if I didn't have to. Um, yep. and, and no, no fault of theirs, uh, you know, not that I just, it's just another thing to do, man. It's like, yep. you know, hunters and anglers, uh, you know, we typically had the mindset we, and you kind of said it, don't impose your life choices on me and I won't impose my life choices on you. We just kind of keep to ourselves, you know, and I think it's a great way, way to live normally. Um, but however, you know, the anti-hunters, don't make it easy for us. Um, and we have to be activated. We have to be involved and, mm-hmm. and, and, and take it to the next level. Cause we live in a different world now. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is, you know, we have one, we have that mindset that you and I just discussed, but two also like, and I don't know, I don't know how old you are, but when, when I was younger and I went to, uh, get my hunter's ed, we were taught in hunter's ed, you know, be quiet about hunting. Don't talk to people about hunting. Um, don't display the deer, you know, basically like operate in the shadows, you know, so yep. we've, we've had this generation or a couple of generations that that's the way we worked. That's the way we operated. And it wasn't because we're doing something shady. We just didn't want to offend people. We didn't want to put it out there. So, you know, we were able to continue to do what we're doing, but now we live in an age where everything like you can't even go, you know, pick your nose in the corner without somebody taking a picture of you or videoing you <laughs> and putting it on social. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do oh, yeah. anything without somebody else knowing like to some extent, I mean, that's a little exaggerated, but we're yeah, in this space. Far off. We're, you know, yeah. we're in this space and like, so, you know, back in the day, we would take our deer in the back of the truck. We would bring it to, you know, the coffee shop to show all the guys there or whatever. That was social media. Like now you put a, mm-hmm. po- you post a picture and you mean it for other people who enjoy that to see it. But that isn't always the case. And No, and, it, 
and also your pictures you put your pictures on like the bass pro wall or something like yeah. that, or cabela's wall you wouldn't put it in a fucking pita um store i don't know you know what I mean? right like, yeah exactly you wouldn't, you wouldn't you wouldn't post your pictures um your you know uh, truck bed pictures at the humane society or stuff like that you know people that don't agree you'd stay in your echo chamber and that was kind of it was preach when i was younger too it was like hey you know we just stay quiet and do our thing mm-hmm. and yada yada but yeah. yeah you're absolutely right where you post it it's completely different than taking a picture getting it developed and putting it on the wall at cabela's and um you know taking a picture and putting it online for literally everyone to see if they want to and have and have an opinion about it you know like if people walked into cabela's looked at the wall and they go oh, that's a shitty picture that'd be it <laughs> they'd move on they'd move they'd move on their way but right. now that's on the internet, you'd put. Imagine if at Cabela's uh, there was a thing you walk through Comments. Cabela's back in the day, and you there, there was like an option to put sticky notes, and not like you know you'd write on sticky notes like, you know, hey, put a sticky note on the pictures that you like or dislike kind of thing, and you can write wherever you want on it. Like that'd be crazy, you yep. know. Yep. But that's literally what social media is now, where it's like you're putting it out there, and people can just put their sticky notes all over your picture and say that you're terrible or you're awesome, you know, either one. Yeah. But the one, the comments that get the most traction are the ones when they're trashing you. So, yeah. well, and and that's what happens is like you don't realize how the algorithm works too. Like at first, it starts with the hunting community, right? You put something out there, and then some hunters will put some negative comments there or whatever. Oh, yo, why you shoot? You know that thing still has lip uh, milk on its lips, or you know some <laughs> yeah. stupid, stupid ass comment, or you know. Actually, I got I got a very good example that I want to I want to use, but let's finish this this line of uh, thought here. Mm-hmm. The you know you they put it out there, and now it opens you know it opens it to the next level of people on their followers. So we all have followers, and we all have people that follow us on social media that are not exactly aligned with us right there you know we have, we all have that that aunt maymay or whatever who is against hunting um but she loves you you know but she's going to mm-hmm. say something and now she says something and it opens it up to all her friends which opens it up to all her friends you know and it just keeps getting bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and eventually that's when things go viral and now it's in front of anybody and everybody whether they're hunting or not. And that's when stuff happens. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and on that point, this is what I was going to bring up, you know, some years ago, I don't remember how many years ago now it was two or three years ago, but there's a, and I'm, I'm going to use this example because this will give you a, or your listeners, a, a way to deal with this situation. So, there was a guy who posted a video of him running over a wild hog with his ATV, like stupid ass shit, right? He'd run it over. The hog would get up and charge him again. He'd run it over, charge it again. Like the hog kept coming in. You're trying to charge him and he kept running it over with like, and okay, I get it. You want your 15 minutes of fame. You put this outrageous video up there. Now, it started off with a bunch of his hunter friends and whatever 
making comments like, you know, that's stupid, whatever, whatever, whatever the comments were. Some of them positive, a lot of them negative. But you want to say something negative to this guy, so you put a comment on there. And now what you're doing is you're promoting that video. The algorithm looks at that video and says, okay, this Mm -hmm. is relevant. People are talking about it. I'm going to put it out to more people. And I'm going to put it out to more people, more people, more people. So when you see something that is distasteful, when you see something as a hunter of somebody that's in our ranks doing something that is going to hurt hunting, instead of making a negative comment or disliking or whatever they're doing, send them a direct message, a DM that says, Hey, um, you know, I don't know if you, you know this or not, but this video might hurt hunting. It might hurt what we're doing. Um, you know, consider taking it down. You know, it's not worth Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, 15 minutes of fame you're going to get from it. So on and so forth. And, you know, one or two things is going to happen. Two, he's probably going to tell you to go F yourself and you're not going to get, he's not going to take it down. Or two, he's going to listen. He, she's going to listen and they're going to remove it. But what you're Mm -hmm. not doing is you're not promoting it. You're not helping it get to the next level. Yep. And that you got to keep that stuff in mind. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, I think one question I ask uh, some people when I see them post like a, I don't know, inflammatory stuff or something that I feel like maybe it would be harmful. It's like kind of, it's kind of like ask the question or before ask yourself the question too, before you post something that you feel like maybe could get taken out of context, just have some self-reflection, ask yourself, you know, uh, what am I trying to accomplish with this video or with this picture? You know, it's like, what am I trying to accomplish here? Like you want to have a goal, like um, something that you're like a goal that you're trying to accomplish with everything you post, especially in the hunting community when, you know, you're taking the life of an animal and that, sh- that is a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with the hog thing, it's like, obviously I, I, you know, they're a nuisance in a lot of places and they, you know, the government, the state says eradicate them as, with by any means necessary kind of thing, mm-hmm. especially in like Southern States like Texas, you know, you can shoot them with whatever you want, however right. you want, whenever you want. And that's for reasons because they're overpopulated like a some bitch and you need to start shooting some and killing some and get them off the landscape um, and get them into a, some sort of controlled population. Uh, it, but that doesn't mean if you run it over with the, an ATV and stuff over and over, it's like, for one, it's like, it's why would you not post like, something like that? Like, that's not no, it's not the right yeah. thing to do for one, but for two, it's like even if you do end up doing something like that, like why would you post that for everyone to see? Like you should have some hunters need to have a certain level of self-reflection. And is is it fair? No, because the antis they can basically get away with saying kind of whatever they want and being mm-hmm. as inflammatory as they want, but that's their goal is to draw out the worst in like us, so they can um, fuel their campaign a little bit more. And they're constantly on the search for shit like that, you know for videos like that so they can use it for ammo oh, against ab- us. Absolutely. So absolutely. And I, and I know it's like something that everyone says, you know, like, you know, you don't want to give ammo to the antis and all that other stuff. And it's hundred percent true because it's one of those things where, you know, you look away for, you know, too long. And then when you look back, it's like, are we even in the same, you know, are we, do, are there things gone? Can you even recognize the landscape that you're in anymore? You know, when mm-hmm. things get whittled away so much, Cause it's not going to happen in one fell swoop. Like 
no anti-hunting organization has ever like just come out and said like we're banning hunting period it's always started with well let's ban trapping let's ban these methods let's mm-hmm. ban these other methods that are un- unethical it's like why do you need a why do you need to trap animals and drown them in underwater or use a body gripper and snatch them and you know it's so inhumane to do it that way like, we shouldn't be trapping anymore okay so then they ban trapping it's like oh and then the trapping community is even smaller than the hunting community mm-hmm. so then that gets taken away then it's like hound hunting oh we shouldn't be running running bears and uh mountain lions and stuff with dogs that's unfair like we shouldn't be doing that that's not ethical so then hound hunting gets um you know banned and then the next thing you know it's like oh bow hunting that's not very ethical like shooting things with a pointy stick like that's not very good like just use a rifle like that's way more ethical and then bow hunting gets banned and then oh but now our gun you know it's like it's it's a really slippery slope and if you look away for too long before you know it you know your way of life could be taken from you and you don't even have a say in the matter Absolutely. Well, let me tell you, I mean, the writing's on the wall. They've, they've, you know, they've actually come out and said it that they want to get rid of, if, if they could, they would get rid of all hunting period. Right. Um, if they had a magic wand, they would do that. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. You know, um, now realistically, but, is that going to happen? Probably not. But the reason why is because hunting, and I like to put it like this because it's, little polarizing to say it this way but there's there's a lot of truth but we're only around because of greed and Mm -hmm. that is because the hunting is you know they the hunting community it it, there isn't there's an industry attached to it a big industry and like if they wave their wand right now and hunting went away it would actually cripple the united states economy yep that's how big it is for sure Okay. Yeah, thirty-three for sure. billion Especially, dollar industry. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of things, and that aren't even counted in that, in those figures of what hunting is. And I've used this example many times. You know, there's a lot of people out there that if they didn't hunt and fish, they probably wouldn't own a pickup truck. They wouldn't own an ATV. Um. And those mm-hmm. are things that are not looked at when you're talking about hunting. Like there's there's a lot of things attached to hunting and the culture of hunting that um, that don't get counted in into the actual industry numbers. But anyway, um, that being said, they're still going to do their damnedest to limit as much hunting as possible. And they know that we follow the science. So their biggest tactic right now is let's get rid of apex predator hunting. So lions, bears, wolves, coyotes, anything like that. Okay. So the management on those goes away. And by default, they're going to take more prey animals, deer, elk, mm-hmm. antelope, etc. So there'll be less need for hunters to take surplus of that because the the apex predators are taking care of it. Yeah, I mean it's, sim- so, it's simple supply and demand. Right. So that's that's their view. Now, it's a flawed view because they don't know they don't have an, a good understanding of how 
you know, management works and biology works. And they're going to create these giant peaks and valleys and possible predator pits and all this other stuff. Like I I tell people all the time that, you know, anti-hunting is anti-wildlife. If they were to succeed, um, they would probably succeed in ruining wildlife. They have this, uh, yeah, they have this theory. They have this thought process that if you just leave everything alone, it would, you know, take care of itself. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, that might've been true, you know, a million years ago <laughs> might've been true even a couple <laughs> thousand years ago when there was, you know, a few million people or less than a billion people in the world, but there's 8 billion of us. And not only is there so many more people, the way we consume, the way we use resources and resources and the way we fragment, um, you know, habitat and, and have roads everywhere and consume, other natural resources and water and oil and wood and you, you name it. Mm -hmm. We have to, if we don't manage all that is going to, cause we literally, you literally, you can affect wildlife by never setting foot in the woods ever in your life. Mm -hmm. The cell phone that you buy, the computer, the, you know, whatever, just things you do in your urban life affects what happens in the natural world, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, you know, wild animals need wild places to live. They're not going to live in a concrete jungle, you know? So who's defending all of these wild places for these animals to live in? It's generally hunters. Yep. And if they go away, then they're like, well, what's the fucking point of defending this if we can't even use, utilize it the way we kind of want to and all this other stuff? You know, I would, I know a lot of people that would, they only care about conservation because they're hunters. And, it, you know, it's a valid reason to care. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where if they weren't hunting, they wouldn't care as much. They'd find something else to do with their free time or something else. But it's like, those wild places would go away eventually either they get lost to development or something, you know, where they just kind of go away. And then you're talking about like you already alluded to the basically the end ending of these wildlife species that we hold near and dear to our hearts because we enjoy going out and chasing them every year, Mm -hmm. you know? So if we, if us hunters go away, then a lot of those resources also go away. And a lot of that money also goes away, you know? So like not, uh, every forested area in the West and all, all these mountains and, you know, um, woodlands and stuff, they're not going to be protected. They're not all going to be Yellowstone. You know, they're not, there's not going to, it's not feasible for the federal government to protect all these places just to house these wild animals. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, even Yellowstone so, has its problems. If you don't think they've yeah. gone in there and shot things to get populations or captured them and transplanted them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you're sadly misinformed, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, Oh yeah, for sure. There, there's no, there's no <laughs> utopia. So even, even no. if you, if you want to like, you know, plant a flag somewhere, uh, in that, in that philosophy, Yellowstone would be it. And anybody who's ever, who's ever been a wildlife biologist in Yellowstone will tell you that mm-hmm. it's not that way. You know, no. it's not all, you know, 
the the prey and and uh, predators live in harmony and in balance. Do you know how many people go through Yellowstone a year? <laughs> like it's oh, yeah. ridiculous Lots. amount. You know, like yep. yeah. So yeah, and I do really want to get into uh, you were talking. You touched on it a little bit earlier how uh, uh, basically you want to call it uh, ballot, ballot box biology where um, they're not really taking actual science and using wildlife biologists in order to make decisions a whole lot in some places and in using apex predators to kind of take the place of human hunters. Um, I mean, we're actively seeing that. Like, I'm not, and I'm not even anti-wolf or anything like that either. I'm not Wait, either, but talk to, talk to, yeah, I love wolves. I think they're great. They should be on the landscape to a certain extent, but, uh, as long as they know, can be managed. Any, exactly. And talk to anyone in Idaho, you know, when they brought wolves back in Idaho, the elk hunting and mule deer hunting and all that stuff went way down, took a drastic hit. And you're seeing it now in tag costs and opportunities for people. Because it used to be Idaho was a very easy over-the-counter draw, or not even draw, just straight up over-the-counter for elk and mule deer and all that stuff. But they're starting to hack away at it, and it's starting with um, tag price increases. And they used to have this really cool disabled veteran uh, program where you could – get dis uh, disabled veterans could get discount tags, but then they cut those by a shit ton too, because the elk numbers just aren't there to support the amount of hunting that was going into it. And that has a lot to do with the fact that there's a, just a month, like a huge amount of wolves run on landscape in Idaho and mm-hmm. talk to any Idaho hunter, uh, resident hunter, they'll tell you this too. Like the wolves are t- like, they're destructive. They're very destructive to the population. And it's definitely eating into hunters' opportunities. And I really do think there is a bit of a plan, especially with the antis. And when you look at Colorado with them recently releasing wolves in Colorado, where it's like that has to, like, you know that they're looking at that as a thing of being like, well, we can whittle down hunting if we can get, um, like, prey animal numbers down by introducing apex predators, then that will definitely whittle away hunting. Um, and it's, just, just by itself and i know i don't know i'm sure i can assume your feelings on the whole colorado uh, wolf situation but yeah. uh, do you want to kind of dive in with your guys's with, sure. uh, your personal views and then also like how for wildlife and what you guys think about all that stuff this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I mean, if you want to, let's talk about the wolves real quick. Okay. So we lost, that was a ballot box initiative. We lost that hunters and ranchers lost that by less than 1%. Jeez. Okay. And 
we are as a group hunters are very reactive uh and never proactive when it comes to these situations okay we wait till things are hitting the ballot oh well it's time to go fundraise so we can talk to the non-hunting public and raise money so that we can win this we will never win ever Mm -hmm. in those situations okay i can't say ever because we have one here and there but right most of the time you will not win because you're not fighting the same battle you're taking a knife to a gunfight you're taking a knife to a a bazooka fight yeah and it's a it's an uphill battle to put it used like nicely yeah so let's you know continue this on with colorado like during that time um, and I don't remember the exact number, so I'm going to give you arbitrary number here because I'm not a hundred percent sure what it was, but I think they raised like $800,000, which is mm. peanuts in yeah, comparison. Pretty... It's, it's peanuts for what you need. Number one, to do that type of marketing. Uh, and the marketing is this, you're there. This is what happens. Um, so we might as well, well let's back up a little bit. The non-hunting public occupies 90% of the population, approximately. Mm-hmm. And so the anti-hunters, they know if they go into places like Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs, big urban areas where there's a lot of people, they can disseminate their propaganda because that's what it is. They put messaging yep. out there. You know, little wolf puppies and cute and fuzzy, you know, animals and all this stuff. And they they sway the vote in their favor. And they have millions. Um, so right now there is a potential that they're going to try to get rid of mountain lion, bobcat and bobcat hunting. They put links on it, too, but which is stupid because we don't hunt links. It's federally protected. <laughs> but. The three big cats in Colorado on a petition and they are poised to spend, I believe they have probably somewhere around $20 million set aside for it. Holy Um, shit. They are, they're poised to spend a million dollars a week to win this battle. Okay. Uh. And I told you we, we got $800,000 last time. So this time we know that they're the petitions, you know, they're still processed. There's a title board there, uh, that we just had, uh, some, and the title board basically is where they discuss what's the title of, of the, um, the actual bill. And they removed some language that was on there, which went in our favor because they had trophy hunting on there. As soon as you add trophy, in front of anything hunting, um, let's act, let me back up just a little bit so I can explain this. So um, the non-hunting public, there's a seventy-five percent approval rating of people hunting for meat. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's deer, elk, whatever. 
75% of the population is cool with you going to hunt to procure, procure meat. Oh my God, I can't speak. Um, <laughs> as soon as you add the word trophy in front of that same question, the approval rating goes down to like 20 something percent. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you start talking about bears and lions, that approval rate goes down into the teens. I don't know the exact mm -hmm. numbers for you. I wish I had them written in front of me, but I don't. So that to just give you an idea. So they know this, and this is, that's another reason why they're also always going after bears and lions and apex predators and wolves and all this other stuff, because they know the approval rating of the middle ground is very high in their favor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's low hanging fruit. Exactly. So, you know, they had the word trophy in the title, which would have been devastating to the hunting community. So mm -hmm. that was removed. Uh, Dan Gates, which I strongly suggest you get on the podcast. He's a, great guy and he's super super knowledgeable very well spoken uh can actually give you all the statistics you know verbatim and and kind of uh run you through the actual what's going on in colorado there's a history behind it this is like the fourth time in the last five years that they've like kind of gone after this um mm -hmm. that's why if we put a stop now to it this is their last um avenue to take um if they lose here then we probably won't see them in colorado for a while okay. uh, going after this anyway so what we what we're doing now specifically for that is we're fundraising now even though we don't even know we won't even know if they get enough signatures to get this into the ballot if they do and, you know, they got from now to, I think, September or October. Um, if we find out that it'll be on the ballot and like then, or it might, might, might even be sooner than that. I can't remember exactly. Um, that's not my cup of tea. Um, but mm -hmm. once it's on the ballot, they, you know, if we waited till then to start fundraising, then we'd only have a couple of months. So we've already been fundraising, and I think last I heard, we were at like 1.5 million, which was almost double what we had for the wolves, and we mm -hmm. still have you know six months of fundraising to go, which is good. Um, That's great. Our team is saying somewhere we needed somewhere between three and five million dollars to accomplish what we want to accomplish to put up a reasonable defense and, and win this. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we still got a ways to go to get to that, but we're a lot better off than we were last time. And I said, like, like I said, we lost by less than 1%. It was 0.779, I think. Jeez. Um, percent on the wolves. Uh. And this is, this is the problem is that, you know, going back to, we were talking about how hunters, you know, keep to themselves and so on and so forth. Um, when I, when I first started doing this and actually specifically when Charles and I first started Alpha Wildlife, we got a lot of slack cause we were using the word 
active, active, being active and being activists. Mm-hmm. That's like a dirty word, especially for people who are Republican, because it's always been associated with the very far left, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's I can't tell you how many times we heard, oh, you know, that word is, that's what the libtards use and this and that, you know, <laughs> stupid shit. Like, no, if you care about st- something, you have to be actively advocating for it so that you can keep it, you know? Yeah. And it, we have to, we're our own worst enemy, our, our own worst mm-hmm. enemy by far. And there, like, if we're talking about the wolves again, there is over a million, over a million hunters who are in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay. If those million hunters all got out and voted, because guess what? We lost, it was like, I don't even remember what the numbers are, but I'm going to give you these arbitrary numbers. It was like 900,000 people voted for, uh, voted for not have, or excuse me, voted against having wolves and like 990, you know, 900 and 971,000 or whatever, something like that mm-hmm. voted yeah. against it. So you're, you're telling me that, less than the number of actual hunters in the state is what decided that wolves came back in. So Mm -hmm. if all the hunters got off their butts and went and voted against it, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yep. Yeah. That's what really sucks. Like, uh, me with Victor drive being more on the gun side of things too. I've always said, that I, I tried, I'm really trying to be, uh, I guess, a progressive 2A advocate where I, as a, instead of like just constantly being on the defensive and waiting in silence and um, waiting for an attack against uh, my way of life, I want to be proactively fighting for it, you know? Uh, so like there's certain groups like, you know, Firearm Policy Coalition, like they do a really good job at this too where they're very proactive, where they're like, we're constantly attacking certain laws and trying to get them um, abolished in order to free up, you know, gun ownership for more people, you know, actively fighting for gun ownership rather than just waiting to defend. It's the same kind of thing with hunting where we need to be actively um, proactive in fighting for uh, hunting opportunities and all this other stuff. And we need to be more on the offensive because, a wrestling coach of mine told me like, the best defense is a good offense. And that's yep. what the antis know. They know that. And they, uh, so they adhere to that to a T where it's like, if we're constantly on the offensive, then they're going to be constantly on the defensive. And it's really hard to gain momentum when the other side has the momentum because they're the one mounting the attack. Right. Uh, so if we're actively fighting for hunting and for hunting opportunities, then it, makes it a lot harder when it's constant, you know, and especially if it's being shown in a good light and all this other stuff that, um, you know, we've already talked about. It's like, mm-hmm. it gets more and more people in the middle. Maybe, maybe, maybe they don't even hunt. Maybe they just, maybe they don't care. They're, they just don't know anything about it. And they have really no, um, heart, like strong feelings for or against, but it's really for those types of people. It's really whoever gets to them first is who's going to sway their decision-making. 
And those are the people when you're talking about uh, ballot box biology and stuff, especially those are the people that really matter. You know, we see it all the time in elections and other um, policy uh, policies that get put forth is like those the people in the middle that don't have any super hard feelings for or against. Those are the ones that really, really matter. And if we're going to be um, trying to defend the way our way of life, then we need to be we need we just need to be more on the offense and take um, opportunities to progress hunting and try to get more people in the middle that maybe don't actively hunt or maybe they just hunt a little bit, whatever, um, try to get them more or less on our side rather than letting them just throwing them off the wayside and focusing on ourselves and the, the hardcore hunters and just focusing in our own little echo chamber. Cause I ain't going to do shit for the greater good, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we need to do in our echo chamber is this, we need to start getting everybody on board with the idea that we're all in this together. We get, we need to draw the lines uh, or connect the dots so that you can understand why losing bear hunting in, uh, you know, Washington affects a guy in Iowa who deer hunts. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, if you need me to, to, to draw those lines, I'll, I'll, I'll draw them for you. Okay. So let's take that scenario. They lose bear hunting in Washington. There's a certain number of people, a certain number of hunters that that's their thing. That's all they do is bear hunt. So you lose mm-hmm. that sector of population. Okay. Now your voice has shrunk a little bit. Also, now they that's all they did. They bear hunted. They owned guns. They bought ammo. They bought bows and arrows only to bear hunt. Now the funding for PR that they were spending goes away. The license sales goes away. All those things shrink your voice at the table. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know what bear hunting looks like in Iowa. If there is any bear hunting in Iowa, but nope, there's no bears. Okay. So. <laughs> you know they. Yeah. If you had bears, they could potentially now come to your state to get bear. You know, mm-hmm. and like we're we're so interconnected with all these little things and you don't realize it, but their job is to shrink right now. We're their main stakeholder at the wildlife or conservation table. Their Mm -hmm. job or what they're trying to do is to shrink that. And you want to take it even further. If you follow the money talking about two a, this is an Avenue and they get money from anti two a people and they grants from mm-hmm. other organizations. This is a way to disarm the public. Yes. You're not going to hunt. You don't need a rifle. Mm-hmm. You don't need to buy that. So why do you need that? And most, most people, if you took away what they were doing, they'd probably be like, all right, yeah, whatever. I don't need my, my gun. I'm going to sell it. It's just going to sit there. Yep. You know? So, that's you, you gotta my look. number one pet peeve, by the way. Yeah, you gotta when they, when they use the you don't need this kind of thing, so why should you have it? It's right, like, Fuck you. <laughs> you know? exactly. So you know you you gotta look at it. It's not just the hunters in this. You gotta look at it as the sportsmen and the shooting sports across because we're all kind of interconnected. 
I mean, we're already interconnected with the PR stuff, but now if you really look at it, one of their main footholds, one of our main footholds actually as a community to have guns is the fact that hunting requires them. And yep. if you took away 16 million out of the 70 million, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what percentage that is, but like, let's, I'm going to do that right now. 70, let's see, 16 divided, 16 divided by 70. That's 20, almost 23%, 23% yeah. of your constituency. Okay. You lose 23% of, of, of people who are shooters or hunters, you're going to lose 23% of your voice. Think about how much harder it is for you if you're just a guy that likes to go shoot targets is going to have when they come for what you want. Yes. You know, and that's the other thing too. Like that's um, why I love the space that I'm in right now being, you know, an avid hunter, but also uh, a two A advocate and a gun guy too. It's like uh, when we, as hunters and sportsmen, we all love like, the Pittman Robertson Act. You know, we all we're all like, oh yeah, that's great. You know, like um, money going back to um, wildlife. Um, but when you look, when you really break down the numbers of the P and R money, mm-hmm. over ninety percent of it comes from guns, gun guns and ammo sales. Yep. And I would say the vast majority of that ninety percent aren't even fucking hunters or, or they, maybe they are hunters or maybe they're just recreational hunters, but a lot of it comes from the sports shooting side of things yep. and they're pumping money into um, our way of life and they don't even partake in the activity. And that's great. That's a, that's such yeah. a strong partnership that we as hunters and sportsmen should um, really fully support. That's why I fucking hate when certain hunting groups or certain hunters or certain people talk about like, Oh, well, you don't, we don't really need like you were saying, we don't really need AR 15s and we don't really need, Thirty-round magazines. We don't really need all this, all, all this stuff. So I, I'm kind of indifferent. I don't really care if ARs get banned because I'm, I just hunt with a volt action rifle, and that's all I really need. So there, no one should really need that. So that's I don't care what happens. Us. Yep. And it is the mentality that kills us. And you'll, you'll notice it as, especially if you're a hunter or a fisherman or outdoorsman in general. If you see that P and R money go dwindling down when they start banning certain weapon types that other people like to um like to use especially in the sports shooting side of things it's like dude you're losing a huge chunk of your conservation money like a huge like a huge huge chunk so it's like we really need to be in line more like with the hunting community and the 2a community we all need to be together because like the pittman robertson act whether you like it or not it did bring those two worlds together and really ingrained us. So we need to support each other as well, you know? Yeah. So and you, you see it, on, you see it both ways. You're going to see sport hunters like, why, why do I have to pay 10% more? Even though they're not paying it, it's the manufacturer. I guess right. it, you know, it all trickles down anyway, but yep. their, their view on it is, Oh, you know, what, what, how am I benefiting it from? But a lot of PR goes to, public shooting ranges goes to mm-hmm. uh shooting sport related things like ranges and and um like well hunters ed is hunters ed but but it goes to those type of programs that cultivate more shooters and that's why you know nssf uh 
like they they support it and not only support it they champion it um, mm-hmm. and that's why the gun manufacturers you know years and years ago saw the writing on the wall there was actually a a a bill that was coming up that was sponsored by a republican uh senator and had like 50 people backing it 50 senators backing it it was called the um the return act um yep. and they were trying to remove Pittman Robertson from uh-huh from the hunting or uh, from the firearm industry and hunting uh world basically and they wanted to put it to like oil or or something like that i don't remember the exact details mm-hmm. actually when it happened i knew it very inside and out but i don't know it now um yeah as representative andrew clyde by the yep, way yeah clyde yeah, exactly mm-hmm. and you know that that was a pandora's box that actually mm-hmm. gave ideas to the anti-hunting community that's what they've been looking for. They were like, oh, yeah, they got by. As soon as you knew that Houston was behind, Houston was supporting that bill, you knew it was bad news, right? Yep. They were like, yeah, <laughs> let's get, let's do that. You know, like, you got to understand this is a user pay system. Mm-hmm. And your voice, like going back to what I said about earlier about the greed, your voice is gets minimized and, and it's, little the, the the smaller it becomes the less you know we're important to politicians and decision makers when it comes to mm-hmm. and you're going to lose stuff you're going to lose it like any of these acts that are coming up that are um you know on face value they look great you're like oh cool more money for you know more money for wildlife conservation it's about time that you know they start taxing the the uh you know non hunting public for these things and you're like wait a mm-hmm. second but now you're giving a voice to everybody else. Yep. You know Yep makes your voice a lot weaker when you do that. Yep. That's for sure. So yeah I feel yeah. you know when it when it comes to the return act, you know, uh you know I under I honestly I looked at it pretty hard and I do understand Clyde's point of view where it's like, why are we taxing a, you know, a inherent constitutional right? Like that doesn't make sense. We don't tax any other rights like this. Like that doesn't make sense. And he, you know, in his defense, he was trying to, yeah, trying to figure out other ways that he can support conservation without taxing a constitutional right. You know? so I get, I feel like I kind of understand where he is coming from. Do I agree with it? No, because I think that would fracture the, the, like I was saying earlier, it, it would definitely fracture that uh, cohesiveness be- behind, between the two groups. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, like hunting by itself is pretty weak. The The Second Amendment side of things, like the gun side of things, like it's a lot, it's honestly a lot bigger yeah. than hunting. Sure. And if we're all together and we're intertwined and we're linked together with this common thing, like Bivin Robertson or something like that. You know, it's like if we're interconnected like that, then we will have we should have each other's backs more. I feel like when push comes to shove, but there's this there's a constant fracturing between the two sides. It seems like, and it's bad actors um, really sowing that division, and it's disgusting. You know, because we've always been, as far as I can remember, hunters and you know gun guys. We've always we've all been on the same team, mm-hmm. and. I don't know, man. I love bow hunting too. 
And I do, I get a little conspiracy theorist in my head a little bit about things, but I almost, sometimes I almost wonder if the, cause there's been a huge influx in the bow hunting community, right. With, uh, you know, campaigns and all these other awesome bow hunters out there, like really pushing that lifestyle, which is great, you know, mm-hmm. cause it pushes the sport ahead as well. I feel like, but I, I don't know, a little piece of me almost wonders if that's another way to kind of get at the gun thing. And that's just a conspiracy theorist in my head, you know, thinking out loud, I guess, yeah. but. You know, it does make give you thinking, you know, a little bit where it's like we all need to stick together and make sure that bow hunters and gun hunters and uh, sports shooters, we're all on the same team here and we all support each other. Because imagine if in Colorado um, being kind of a split state, it's more of a swinging state, if you will, because it has Boulder and Denver and stuff when it came to the wolf thing. Imagine if all the sports shooters um, got involved as well because like well we don't really like that because my buddies that hunt a lot like they also don't like it so I'll, yeah i'll do do them a favor and mm-hmm. help and vote for it as well like it would have been a resounding like no like yep. to the wolves in colorado thing so but there's kind of just a bit of a divide between the two communities and that's one thing i got i love about being like i said before being the position i'm at and where hopefully i can kind of bridge keep be a bridge between the two communities once it start get going a little bit more but it's like I just want that to stick. I want hunters and shooters and everyone to really stay cohesive and get more in lockstep, like you were saying, when it comes to defending our rights and uh, being proactive about getting more opportunities to do the things that we love. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and at Half Wildlife, we've gotten shit for not getting involved in 2A, but people don't understand. You know, you have a mission statement, you get a um approval from the IRS to have your 501c3 and you have to stay pretty much to your mission so like when we formulated it's tough if if we can draw the line to wildlife um with with that we get involved in it but because mm-hmm. there, you know personally there's been so many times where like shit man when you know me and Charles are like crap they're trying to get this or they're trying to do that and, you know, personally you get involved, but as an organization, you also have to stay within mission and it's, you know, it's tough. Like I would love to be able to use the power of the tools that we have with Half Wildlife for mm-hmm. every 2A issue that came up. Well, what? I, that, so I get what you're saying, you know, you want to, you guys took your mission statement. And I understand all that. But like uh, SCI, like they delve into the gun conversation whenever it comes up too. SCI has a so C, that SCI is a C four. Oh, do they see? That's the thing I don't really. Yeah, know it, all it, that, well, so believe I me, I, know the I learn every day. It's it's a freaking. Oh, yeah? Okay, it's, okay. A, <laughs> it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Oh, okay. Yeah. So as a C three, yeah. um, you know, your um, the C three status is like the epitome of what. Um, is tax exempt and you know, you make donation. If you make a donation to it, you, you, you know, there's a, there's a tax credit for C4. There is not, but a C4 can get heavily involved in political things. Like, um, like we can't even tell you which way to vote. Like I could provide you with information. I could give you education and I could give you the tools. Um, but that's also why like, our action center 
you can change the words, you know, you can put in your own messaging because by law or I'm not really sure. I know it's definitely by tax law, but I don't know by, mm-hmm. by all laws here. Um, you're, we're not allowed to do that. You know, we right. can lose our C3 status because of that. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I get that, but I think, um, so that's kind of my complaint with some of these, um, conservation organizations, like, you know, I'll just name, I guess like TRCP and BHA, mm-hmm. um, that bothers me about some of those groups is I feel like maybe you don't, you know, you don't need to do funding and, um, act like, I guess go as far as like funding for, uh, I guess gun, uh, the gun issue, whenever it pops up, but you know, it doesn't definitely doesn't hurt. Like you won't lose your C3, um, annotation, I guess, if you just like put shit out there, right? Like you can say whatever you want, correct? Or you have to be really careful about what you say even. And make it, sure it, de- you're it depends. The parameters. It depends. It depends. Like I said, if I like, so there's been stuff that's come up that we've gotten involved in, but we've presented it from the wildlife standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I can't think of one off the top of my head right now, but yeah. But with with uh, with PNR funding, mm-hmm. you could spin that in order to make it a conservation sure. issue. Sure. Make the gun issue a conservation issue as well. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. We okay. Can. We can. Yeah. You know, if 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 it's easy to draw, if it's easy to draw the line, then yes, we could do it. Okay, gotcha. Now I understand. You know, if this goes away, profits and all that shit. Yeah, if this goes away, we're going to lose X amount of PR funds. You know, um, and that could impact this or impact that. And yes, for Mm -hmm. sure. I guess for me personally, it's like I would love to see more cohesiveness, even with uh, conservation groups, because in my research I've done on it, it's like PNR funding is substantial for conservation, um, conservation, uh, funding. Mm-hmm. And ni- like I said, over 90% of PNR funding comes from gun sales and ammo sales. And I feel like that's a kind of a miss on some conservation organizations that they're not delving a little bit more into the gun debate, if you will, or lending their voice yeah, and, you know, in, in, in BHA in, and in BHA's defense, they did come out and they put out a uh, a thing. They uh, updated their website and said, you know, hey, we're you know pro two A, like we support everyone's constitutional rights. Yada yada yada. Like that's great. Um, I would just love to. Me personally, it'd be great to see more cohesiveness from these very influential groups like you guys, um, BHA, TRCP, all of, all of them, all the conservation groups that you can think of. It'd be awesome to see a little more cohesiveness between the two sides and not make, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I so, agree. I a hundred percent agree. Do you know, I mean, do you know how powerful we would be as a unified group? If sports, oh, if you talked about sports shooters, fishermen and hunters, we would never, ever, ever lose anything. Nope. And yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> but that's that's part of problem. I mean, we listen. Let's let's even take away the sports shooters and the and the fishermen. Okay, we just did that just in the hunting community. If we had everybody unified and we were all working towards the same thing, we mm-hmm. still wouldn't lose anything. The problem yep. is, like we said earlier, we're our own worst enemy, and you know, everybody's got opinion about this and opinion about that. And I don't do this. I don't hunt that. 
I'm a bow hunter, I'm a rifle hunter, I'm an elk hunter, I'm a deer mm-hmm. hunter. Everybody labels themselves as something, and this is what they cling to, and nobody gives a shit about the other guy. Yep. You know, no, 100%. You know, there's there's that. almost too many niches within the hunting community. Yeah. Well, there's I, I think mm-hmm. there's there's more than that, really, to be honest. And that's we're so fractured. We're so there's so many little pockets of 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 this and that that you know it's like we're never going to be effective if we're all working in different directions. You know, yeah. um, we can do our thing. You know, we can have that critter group that you know supports elk hunting or supports sheep hunting, and we can have those things. But there also has to be a conduit from that entity to the other entity that was doing that is doing the work, you know. And we mm-hmm. when we actually when we envisioned this, we envisioned how for wildlife being like JSOC. Like how all the you know, there's all these branches of the military and whatever that do their thing. But mm-hmm. they report back to central command. Yeah. You know, not that we want to be like the puppeteers. Like, I don't want to puppeteer anything. But there's one person, one group focused on doing this. And yeah. everybody else is supporting it. You know, and we can pass out the information and they can put it out to their membership base. And so, you know, that would be. That would be awesome. We're actually working on a project right now um, that I'm not going to get into too much, but is more centralized. We want to have the ability to mobilize quicker, to get involved. We don't mm-hmm. want to be reactive. We want to we want to be proactive. And um, yep. I don't want to talk about it yet too much, but that is. Uh, that is on the horizon. So I like that. I, I really like that um, analogy really hits home with me. Like I understand it hundred <laughs> percent what you're talking about where, yeah, it would be, it would be awesome if there's like a, a more centralized hub for everyone to kind of get behind because there's not really every group, um, especially conservation groups, every conservation group has its own little niche, you know, mm-hmm. and it'd be awesome to have one that's like, uh, broad enough to accept everybody, but also, I guess it has to be niche enough also in order to really garner support, you know? So it's definitely a weird balancing act, is. you know, but like, you know, everyone has, like, like I said, every conservation group has its own little niche. It's trying to, uh, trying to placate to or something, but, uh, yeah, it's like, that's tough. It's a tough one. You know, it's almost like Joe Rogan, his, podcast is so popular because he covers so many different avenues mm-hmm. but that's a tough that's a tough sell because if you're too broad then you're not really honing in on certain niches you know some people feel a little bit unloved you know right and right. they don't support as much when it's so broad yeah so. but everybody should be able to get behind the fact that we're gonna keep the heritage alive exactly. by doing by going down this road and yep. we're, we're, whether that's, you know, deer, deer hunting, bear hunting, whatever, you, it's still protecting what it is we love and, and, and the wildlife and, and the habitat that goes with it. So, 
yeah. it shouldn't be too hard for people to get behind. And no, I don't. For think the so. most part, we've we've you know we've been accepted with open arms, and we've in the beginning especially we 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 met some opposition, but uh, those walls are coming down mm-hmm. for sure. So I know personally with everyone I talk talk to, because uh, I talk to quite a few people, and whenever you guys come up as an organization, it's always been positive. Uh, it's never been, you know, it's like there's certain groups, uh, uh, conservation groups out there that aren't so positive with the crew that I talk to the most, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I talk to people about like how and stuff like that are here, it being talked about, it's always in a positive light. So I think you guys really are doing something right with your messaging for sure. And not just your messaging, but you have, I feel like you guys have really proper messaging, but you also follow through, you know, you're not, hiding a whole lot because seem a lot more of an open book because that's one thing you get with certain nonprofits is that uh, correct me if i'm wrong but like upwards of like 80 percent of the money can be used for quote-unquote administrative services so some people get a little jaded with certain nonprofits when they hear these crazy stories about you know funds getting yeah. squandered yeah. you know so but, we we with half wildlife we looked at all the rubs, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. looked at all the things that people had mistrust in and had problems with. We also looked at all the obstacles and what we've done is we've tried to create something that was void of all those things. Uh, super mm-hmm. transparent. Um, but real quick on, on what you were talking about. So there is a, they can use up to 80% of for administrative stuff, mm-hmm. but they're only allowed as a 501c3, you're only allowed to use 20% of your total expenditure for advocacy. Oh, so you're only allowed to use 20% for advocacy specifically of your expenditure. So if you spend a hundred thousand dollars a year on education, on administration, on, uh, installing water holes, whatever, you can only spend 20,000 on advocacy. No shit. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of BS. (laughs) associated with being with and and these are all things that i'm learning as as we go along um you know so but um wow okay that's that's pretty wild but i I guess i can kind of see why but at the same time like if you're if you're non if you're a non-profit your 501c3 is kind of based on advocacy that makes that that's a kind of a tying your hands behind your back a little bit there you know yeah no, it well. That's why most most advocacy groups have a C four, um, and you know, we might yeah, it's a lot we, looser. We, we might be we might be doing going down that route too. So I don't. I yeah. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of organizations that have both. That way, you can do more things. But still, even that, there's a lot of like. You know, being able to share funding from one side to the other and people want to donate to a 501c3 so they get a tax break. If you donate to a 501, you know, 
to a C4, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't get a tax oh. break and this, you know, like there's a lot, there's a lot of BS, a lot of stuff that ties your hands. It's almost better if you, and, and I brought this up when we were starting off, to be honest with you, I always almost wanted to have a for-profit company. Like change.org uh-huh. is a for-profit company. I could say, do whatever the hell I want without any regulation as a for-profit. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, people are not going to get money for, you know, tax deductions or whatever uh, for their donations. But change.org makes billions of dollars. <laughs> they're so, they're, they make so <laughs> much money because what people don't understand is you're not donating to the cause you're paying change.org to promote that petition. Mm-hmm. That's where that money goes to. Like when you go do a change.org thing, like, Oh, here, you know, another $5 will, will, you know, amplify this, the voice that you, you think you're giving $5 to the, you know, save the snipe uh, petition, but you're really just giving five dollars to change that org to open it up to more mm-hmm. people. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty tricky, and there's there's so much of that crap. There's so much of that crap that going on. So, is change org? Are they uh, they're a for profit company? Yeah. Or yep. Oh no shit. Yep. They're straight up, straight up company making money. Damn, that's <laughs> smart. Damn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, I see where you're going with that, though. Like, so, you'd be so much more free to do, yeah, whatever you want, basically. But right. obviously, then you guys would become like a taxable company as well, or yeah, whatever. So you know, you have to be paying your taxes and stuff. Because five hundred one c three is that's a huge, that's a big thing too. It's like you're nonprofit, so you don't have to pay taxes on the money that you're giving. Correct. That's that's the the. The golden the goose right it. there, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's what you're supposed to be yep. doing. But, you know, the, it opens up a lot of doors. It uh, does. You know, and, and you, you're trying, as a 501c3, you're, you know, you have to be super tech, uh, super transparent. And, you know, as a NGO, whatever you want to, you want to be transparent, you know. Right. Because it so, gives trust and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, at the end of the day, you're asking people to, especially in today's day and age when there's less and less uh, disposable income. Yep. It's kind of tough to sit there and be like, hey, guys, give me this much money. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to fucking eat at five-star dining and yeah. get a private jet everywhere. You know, it's yeah. like, well, dude, I don't, I don't have that much money. And you say you're going to do all these good things with my money that I'm giving you, but then I see fucking John Sloan out there yep. acting like Sylvester Stallone. You don't, you don't, you don't, up, you don't you see know? that, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, no. no Char- totally, Charles and I have not just, even yeah. taken a single dime, have not even taken a single dime and paid ourselves even a wage. Exactly. And that, just, honestly, uh, just, for, just for people who are wondering. So, yeah. <laughs> I was um, just I was saying Do you mind if I a, uh, put you on hold for a second? Because I got a um, – my daughter's trying to help me put dinner yeah, no. together real quick, and I, she just – Text to me. She needs my help real quick. Hold on one second. <laughs> yeah, you're good, dude. Thanks. Um, you just want to get into closing thoughts? Yeah. Awesome. Well, closing thoughts, John. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I, I feel like we covered quite a bit um, yeah, in this and- hour and a half as well. So uh, I guess just if you want to go over kind of, you know, your guys' mission statement, kind of give us your pitch on how 
uh, for wildlife and wherever it can find you, best places to get signed up and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, I mean, we really didn't get into the mechanism of what Alpha Wildlife is, but Alpha Wildlife, mm-hmm. the the website specifically, uh, we have tools on there um, that connect you, the you know, the hunter and angler, to the decision makers on policy that affects wildlife management or the ability to hunt and fish. Um, so, you know, if you went to the action center and you looked at an action, you'd open it up, it would educate you on all the, on all the points. And at the end of that education, um, you can put in your name and your email and it will send the system will send an email from you to all the decision makers on that policy and it's randomized. We upload anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple thousand different variations of the email. Um, so it's not like a canned email. Like if you go to an, uh, a different organization's action center, they will send the letter from that organization to your one uh, legislator, which may or may not have anything to do with that policy at all. And it'll be a, a, an email like on behalf of so-and-so organization and our 50,000 members, um, you know, John Stallone uh, agrees with this statement and that's not very effective, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. so what we've done is we've created a, the easy button. It really takes, if you don't want to educate yourself and read through the thing, you just like, Hey, I'm, I trust that you guys are, and you could just put your name <laughs> and your email in there and you can literally be done in 30 seconds. Um, it's, it's super easy. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, well, let me continue with that. We, we've, uh, we created several different membership packages. Um, we tried to create value where like with partners like go hunt, like, so if you wouldn't use go hunt insider, um, you can go and purchase a go hunt insider subscription from Alpha wildlife and go hunt as one of our partners gives us money every time. And you get a full subscription. Plus you get the, the Alpha wildlife membership included. So like mm. it would be it behooves you not to go to Halfa Wildlife to buy your subscription. Uh, so you're supporting Halfa Wildlife. You're getting more bang for your buck. There's special giveaways with it, stuff like that. So there's a lot of those things. Like you can join Pope and Young American Bear Foundation through Halfa Wildlife and support both for the same price it would cost you to go get a Pope and Young membership. Like so, there's stuff in okay. there like that. We've also created a free membership. Like you just want to be involved, but you can't spend money right now. Whatever, we're, that's the we're the only organization that allows you to get involved as a member without taking your money. I didn't want to tell people, hey, you, if you don't want to give me thirty dollars a year, you can't speak up, you can't get involved because mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um, yeah. So we've done, you know. W- we broke molds by doing that. We are, there's a lot of like exclusivity deals where, 
you know, this gun manufacturer or this, you know, name brand or whatever would work with a, a, uh, organization and that organization would, would promote that to their member base and they would get in turn, get funding for it. We don't do that. We yeah. want, you know, just, just, and I was talking about our memberships. We deal with go hunt. We deal with on X. We, you know, they're, they have their, their competitors in the industry, but we're working, we're trying to show the unity. We all like, right. Hey, out there on the street, yeah, Sika and Kuyu, you guys are mortal enemies or whatever, you know. But <laughs> when you're in the when you're in the sanctum of Halfa Wildlife, you're you guys we're all on the same page. We're all conservationists. We're all trying mm-hmm. to save hunting and fishing, and um, so that's that's the messaging that we're putting out there. And what I want, I'm going to leave this with your listeners. What I want you guys to do is I want you to go out there. Educate yourself on the model of wild, wild, excuse me, my God, I can't speak. This is what happens when it's too late in the day. (laughs) On the model of wildlife conservation, North American model of wildlife conservation. Educate yourself on that. And I want you to think long and hard about why you hunt and if it were to go away. But I also want you to think about all the human things about hunting, the intrinsic values, the things that are important to you about hunting and formulate a minute, two minute like dialogue about that. And I want you to start talking to people that, you know, we all know people. We all touch people on a daily basis that don't know, know anything about hunting and your coworkers, whatever, and start having conversations with them. It was like you were saying earlier, if I have a conversation with somebody and I tell them, you know, these these are the things I love about hunting. These are the meals I make. This is the camaraderie. This is, you know, where the money goes. This is what happens with wildlife. And this, the reason why you can go hiking in the woods and the reason why you can access that trail on your mountain bike is because of it. They understand these things. Then when stuff comes up in the ballot, they're going to be more sympathetic to you and not mm-hmm. to what they're seeing propaganda wise. Um, so do that. Start talking to people. But educate yourself first, because the last thing we want is people to go out there and be like, "This is my right," and you know, just and, and, <laughs> and, and also we don't want the wrong information getting out there. So it's it's important that you become a well-rounded, understand what conservation means, what hunting means to wildlife, and once you feel comfortable in that and you start having those conversations and I promise you that's going to go a long way in the future. So, uh, other than that, go to howlforwildlife.org, become a member, support us. If you want to get involved in the Colorado thing, and I think you should, uh, like I said, we're all connected. Uh, if you go to save the hunt, Colorado.com, that money is going to the tip of the spear, which is Coloradoans for responsible wildlife management. Um, they are doing, they are running point on that. That's Dan Gates that I told you, you should have him on. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. That's in a nutshell, I guess. Perfect. That is perfect, John. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining all that stuff and talking with me. I think it, I, I, me personally, I've been 
following you guys for quite a while. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I did the free stuff on house. I get you guys' emails and stuff, and I I fill it out when it's relevant for sure. But I should be doing it a lot more than I am. So um, I do appreciate you coming on and explaining all that to everybody. Thank you, thank you for having us. Yes, sir. All right, we'll let you out of here then. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Bye.